Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed. Welcome to Dressed, the History of Fashion, a podcast where we explore the who, what, when of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and April Callahan. Today's Fashion History Mystery Cast is our first mother-daughter question. Yay! Yeah, and it was super fun for me to delve into this. Uh, The question comes from listener Leslie Stager on behalf of her mom. And Leslie, I'm sorry if I did not pronounce your last name correctly. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we could just, um, let's issue a blanket statement right now that if we ever mispronounce any of our listeners' names, April and I are truly sorry. I mean, we really interact with you via text and email, so sometimes we simply just do not know how to say it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that it's stager and not stagger. But anyway, Leslie wrote to us saying, my mom is 94, and she was a real Rosie the Riveter in Detroit during World War II. She was about 19 or 21 years old when she worked there, and I don't know that has any bearing on my question. Currently, she keeps saying that she wants her hair cut in a quote-unquote shingle. I cannot find in my research anything about what she is envisioning, and no stylist now knows what she's referring to. Do you know what a shingle hairstyle is from somewhere around the 1940s? If you could help, it would bring much joy to a Rosie. Oh, I absolutely loved this email when we got it, so... Let's hear what you found out. Yeah, and we're so happy to help. Um, But Cass, I want to ask you in your recollection as a fashion historian, what exactly is a shingle? (laughs) I have to be honest that I don't actually want to say because currently, if you say shingle to me, I align it with this sort of itchy skin health care issue. So, you know, I really don't want to go there for the purposes of this episode. I'm assuming that's what you're not talking about. Yeah, I think maybe that partially has to do with the fact that your sister is an epidemiologist. (laughs) These are all true things. (laughs) So this is a frequent topic of discussion. Like a badass epidemiologist, too. Like when that Ebola scare happened, she was like on the news and stuff. Oh, she's always on the news talking about disease. And she's actually a huge fan of our podcast. So hi, Haley. We're very proud of you. Hi, Haley. All right, so so back to um, this shingle question. So no, it's not a disease that we're talking about. <laughs> um, but my initial gut reaction when I read this email was that I had seen this term before and that I'd seen it in conjunction with what we all think of now as a 1920s flapper bob, you know, the haircut. Oh. Yeah, and Cass, that time period is way more your area of expertise than mine. Um, So when exactly did women start bobbing their hair? Yeah, that is a great question because the style is actually, as we all know, most associated with the 1920s, but it might go all the way back to Joan of Arc. Well, not a fashionable style, I should say, but the 15th century saint was known to have kept her hair short while on her military campaigns. And you even have the actress Geraldine Farrar sporting a cropped similar bobbed hairstyle when she played Joan of Arc in a silent film, Joan the Woman, in 1916. But actually, some avant-garde fashionable women had been sporting the style even earlier. I mean, the famed dancer Irene Castle bobbed her hair in 1915. 
This fashion trend for bob hair really started to take hold in the post-World War I era when a lot of the social standards surrounding women's dress had started to relax. And, you know, women's clothing was moving away from the body for the first time. Hemlines were the shortest they had been in history. And apparently, so too was women's hair. That's right. And Vogue wrote about this in 1919 in an article entitled Fashion Dresses Bobbed Hair for Evening. Quote, it was the war which first made short hair so popular among women in Paris. As long as war activities meant a strenuous day with hours that must be rigidly accounted for, women booted and belted herself for the sake of much trimness and more efficiency. Then in order to simplify life even further, she cut her hair... Obviously, one couldn't dash about in all sorts of winds and weather with flyaway curls, stray locks, or disarranged coils. As long as the war lasted, one did not need the elaborate coiffures, which are demanded by formal affairs. And as we know, the bobbed hairstyle was the trend of the 1920s, right? It's kind of one of the very first things I think about. Um, but, but just to find out how it related to the shingle hairstyle, I turned to one of our most trusted sources, maybe on Sierra fashion magazines. But of course. And (laughs) I searched for mentions of both the bob and the shingle in Women's Wear Daily, in Vogue, and Harper's Bazaar, and voila, I came up with Gas, the absolute best mention of both in the same primary source. And even... Yeah, it even had an illustration of one Mrs. D.L.T. Van Buren's bob of the prior year in an outline in the illustration. And then within that outline, there was another illustration of her that was a little more detailed from this year where she has her shingle haircut. So it's comparing the bob to the shingle. And they were kind of like superimposed on top of each other for like for this means of comparison. So there's obviously a need to distinguish between the two. And I just actually want to say, as we're on the topic of our primary source material, that we've received a couple listener requests as to how April and I go about researching each episode. And I think, you know, it probably is a little obvious, but our first resource is really primary source material. And your local library might even have access to Vogue and Harper Bazaar archives. And if not, you can request it. I know I have a subscription to newspapers.com by ancestry.com. And even Google has thousands of keyword searchable archives for free. And April, I know you and I both really love those moments of doing research when you find precisely the thing you are looking for. So what was the difference between the two? What's the difference between the bob and the shingle? Yeah, so it seems that when women initially began bobbing their hair, they were just kind of lopping it off straight across, like right about the level of the earlobes. And I'm saying like just straight across. So if you had volume in your hair, as our friend Mrs. Van Buren did, it was still going to be like a little bit poofy. So the illustration of her bob, which is apparently from 1922, um, because the actual illustration was published in 1923 showing her new haircut. Um, Her 1922 bob shows this rather blunt but bouffant haircut. Like the haircut of Marchesa Cassati that you see in a lot of the paintings. Mm. Does that make any sense? It absolutely does. And so what what about the shingle? What was that? Well, I think that the shingle is more what is conjured in the popular imagination as a bob from the 1920s. And in the illustration, her hair is approximately the exact same length, but instead of this 
blunt cut, the hair is cut at an angle at the back of the head and in a way that reveals the, you know, that curve at the back of the head. And I think if you think of like a men's short haircut from today, where you can see the silhouette of the back of the head, that's kind of what we're talking about. And it was really this manner of shaping the hair to the back of the head that was known as shingling. And I found out that this term persisted for women's hairstyles, not only in the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s, but well into the 1960s. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense because bobbed hairstyles were ultra-fashionable in the 1960s. Uh, If you think of Grace Coddington and the cod hairstyle, something for our listeners to Google immediately. But um, the name shingles makes perfect sense, too, because it thinks if you think of the gradating shingles of a house, for instance. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really fascinating the things we're learning on our Fashion History Mystery episodes. And perhaps some of our listeners who are stylists will write to us and let us know if they still use this term today or maybe a little bit more about how it's done exactly if it doesn't necessarily have that same name. Yeah, uh, and I learned that apparently, Cass, that what I needed back in 2009 was a shingle, not a bob, because I think when you and I first met, I was probably in the process of growing my hair back out. Um, But for years, I had been dying to have a 1920s flapper bob, and in 2009, I went all in from like super, super long hair to just chopping it all off in one day. And I think maybe, can you post pictures of this or no? (laughs) (laughs) I might be able to do that. Uh, I have literally bobbed my hair once and only once in my entire life. That was my senior year of high school and I will never do it again. I can post pictures of this too, but I have such thick hair and a round face that me and bobbing just do not go together at all. I, I liked my 1920s bob, or I should say, yeah, yeah I guess it was a bob, not a shingle. Hairstyle. Yeah, yeah, and I got lots of compliments from strangers on the street, which is always fun. Um, but the thing was, the problem was, as you know, I have a lot of natural wave in my hair, and it could be even a little bit frizzy, especially if there's any humidity at all. Um, and, and what was happening was when my hair was cut like that, even if I had straight ironed my hair, you know, for that kind of like super sleek look, by the end of the day, it would start to like flip up in the back and I just couldn't maintain it the way that I wanted to. So, I mean, if I had somebody give me a blowout every single morning, <laughs> right? maybe it would have been different. Um, but, but, but I did eventually start to grow it out with the help of my amazing hairstylist, Kelsey, who was also a dress listener. So shout out to Kelsey. Hi, pretty lady. Yes, our hairstylists are some of the most important people in our lives. And Leslie, we hope this has answered your question. And please do send us some photos of your mom with her new do. And with her permission, we would love to put them up on our Instagram. For sure. Um, Cass, do you have any fun fashion history news for the week? I have some really interesting and unexpected fashion history news, actually. So April did... I mean, you know who El Chapo is, right? <laughs> yes. He's he's the infamous drug cartel leader. Like, notoriously ugh, yes. violent and... Recently imprisoned. I don't imprisoned. think we need to get all that. Yeah. Recently imprisoned. I mean, in February after eluding capture and being, ca- being captured and then escaping capture for many, many years, he was finally convicted of trafficking, money laundering, firearm possession, and he's now serving a life sentence. Uh, And I think our dress listeners are probably curious as to how he relates to fashion history. Well, that is because, well, he has licensed his name to a clothing line 
a new company called JGL LLC. His name is Joaquin Guzman Laura. So, you know, his wife, his beautiful 29-year-old wife, is going to be running this El Chapo clothing line. I mean, as soon as uh, you told me about this, I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And I immediately got on the internet and started looking things up. um, And I was just like, wow. Okay. So I learned a little bit more. And basically how, how it is set up, they're saying that actually he is not going to receive any of the profits from this clothing line that he's basically signed his name over to, to, to license his the use of his name to his wife and right. that it's solely her company um and and this is like highly questionable that anyone would even you know buy these things but you right. know that there's somebody out there you know there's a market for this kind of stuff so um the one thing that i kind of found out is that because the company was incorporated in New York State, there are actually what they call the Son of Sam laws, which prevent criminals from profiting off of any publicity that came away um, or resulted from um, their crimes. So at least there's that. Right. And I mean, Chapa owes the U.S. government apparently billions of dollars, too. So, uh, But yeah, his wife, Emma, actually plans to start with a line of caps, then clothes and jackets. And there's actually this really interesting article about it on this uh, website called Fast Company by Elizabeth Sagran. And she actually said that Quote, prisoners frequently engage from work behind bars, although in most cases they earn only a pittance from their labors. Since 1934, the U.S. prison system has given inmates the option of developing vocational skills by manufacturing goods either for the U.S. government or for other third-party brands. So historically, many of these products have been apparel-related. So apparently prisoners have made clothes for the military, McDonald's uniforms, Victoria's Secret lingerie. Okay, okay. Let's take a pause right there for a second. (laughs) Yes. Mm. So she writes, in other words, there's a possibility that you've already worn clothes made by a prisoner. And I mean, you know, if people are going to prison to rehabilitate themselves, I suppose that this is okay. Yeah, vocational training, but really, ladies' lingerie in prison. Truth. My my jaws, my my Hashtag jaws truth. on the <laughs> floor right now. <laughs> but but I guess fashion is showing up in unexpected places all the time, all right? the time. Absolutely. Which is why we do this show. <laughs> and on that unexpected fashion history or fashion history making, possibly I don't know. Yeah. I guess we'll look back and a couple decades and see what impact the El Chapo clothing line made. But that ends it for us to dress listeners. Make sure you tune in Tuesday to our full-length episode of Dressed. Thanks for listening. Dressed, the history of fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.